Welcome into RJ Bell's Dream Preview, the NFL Week 4 Recap slash Week 5 Early Line Report. I'm Scott Seidenberg, joined by Mackenzie Rivers as we pinch hit for RJ Bell and Steve Fezzik on this Monday evening. But have no fear, both Fez and RJ will be in for the Dream Preview this week. So we will have a normal Wise Guy Roundtable on Wednesday when we record the Dream Pod. We do have Steve Fezzik's power rankings with Hot us. off the presses. Yeah. Let's go. Now, the paper is hot, actually, right <laughs> out of the printer. And this is good because normally if you go to the pregame forums or if you're waiting for an email, you don't get Fezzik's power rankings till Tuesday afternoon. Yeah, and people email me, where are the power rankings? Where are the power rankings? It's Tuesday, 4 o'clock, Tuesday, 5 o'clock. Well, you don't have to worry about Fez posting. We got the early good stuff. Yes. So before we get to the early line report for week five, we'll go through the schedule. We will not talk about the Giants and the Dolphins game because the Giants played on Monday Night Football and got embarrassed. Uh, And the Seahawks are on a bye, so we don't have to worry about the Seahawks coming off that Monday Night Football win. But we will go through the early line progressions here for week five. But first... Let's talk about the power rankings because there's a lot of adjustments made on Fezzik's power rankings. Some teams have been upgraded as much as two points. There's even a three-point adjustment here on the power rankings. And as we go through the teams that saw the biggest adjustments, we'll talk about the reasons why and talk about those games that we saw here in week four. And I want to start at the bottom and work our way up to the top. So let's start with the Carolina Panthers, McKenzie, at number 31. On the Fezzik power rankings, a downgrade of a point and a half from a minus 4.5 last week to a minus six. We didn't see anything from Carolina that was worth uh, talked about in a positive way against the Vikings. I guess you could say, hey, they held Minnesota to 21 points and they had an interception return for touchdown against Kirk Cousins. Yeah, but they've had one good offensive game, and it wasn't with their starting quarterback. Yeah. So it says a lot. The Giants have been downgraded from a minus four to a minus five, although I think Fez might have to reassess that because I would put the Giants. I can't say that the Giants and Carolina belong in the same sentence, but. Doesn't seem like that. That was one of the worst performances we've ever seen on Monday Night Football. And Daniel Jones, we know historically, has just been awful on Monday Night Football. But the O-line is a real problem. He was sacked ten times. In the game last night, yeah, it, it it's just a pitiful performance. Paris Campbell, they had a reverse throw, got sacked. Yeah, so it's not just him. Yeah, you're right. Oh, that counts. Eleven sacks. Yeah, just it, it's it's embarrassing. The Giants should be downgraded, maybe more than a full point. Pittsburgh has been downgraded significantly, a three point downgrade from minus one and a half to minus four and a half. Now, could this be because of the performance or because of the possibility of Mitchell Trubisky playing quarterback? I think it's got to be both. You look at the early line, I guess we'll get into it, but it moves through three. No downgrade is that big from one game's performance. It's got to be quarterback related. But based on the way that Pickett's played this year, is Trubisky that much of a downgrade? And you have our composite quarterback rankings. Where's where's Kenny Pickett through the first four weeks of the season? Is it much of a downgrade to lose the 31st highest ranked quarterback? That's what I'm saying. Maybe not. Maybe it's a little bit too much of an adjustment, at least. Trubisky's a veteran. He's won football games in this league. Kenny Pickett here in his second year, it's not good. And I don't see signs of it getting better. I mean, the guy that we saw in the preseason is not who we've seen through the first four weeks of the regular season. Not not by any chance. You know, it's unbelievable. Uh, Houston has been upgraded. They go from a minus five and a half up to a minus three and a half. And I think this is a worthy upgrade. C.J. Stroud has been better than advertised. He's thrown for 1,200 yards this season, McKenzie. Zero interceptions. Zero sacks in the last two games. He's getting better. The trend line is very impressive. He's, by the way, ranked higher than Jalen Hurts in our QB rankings. It's amazing. 15th. And Houston's playing well. They're playing good defensively. They're fighting for D'Amico Ryans. They have talent on the outside with Tank Dell and Nico Hollins. And I don't think anybody saw this team playing as well as they've played through the first four games. You know, wins over the Jaguars and the Steelers, not just wins, but impressive wins in back-to-back weeks. The Atlanta Falcons have been downgraded a point and a half from minus one and a half to minus three, and I agree with this. Desmond Ritter does not look good. They have no passing offense. Bijan Robinson's amazing, yep. but if you can't pass the football, teams are just going to stack up against the run or maybe just let you run. I mean, think about it. With Justin Fields doing what he did last year, running all over every team, the Bears still only won three games. So yeah. teams were like, okay, cool, keep running. 
I think that's how they're going to approach Bijan Robinson and the Falcons and just say, keep running because you're not winning. And the fact that Arthur Smith has to come out and say, oh, I'm sticking with Desmond Ritter at quarterback, you know that's an issue. Yeah. Falcons actually had a better success rate than the Jaguars in London, but it didn't matter because if you get two stops against the run and it's third and long, you're going to get a positive play. That's what we saw. Mm -hmm. That was the difference in the game. Let's go to number 23. The New York Jets, despite losing to the Kansas City Chiefs, have been upgraded a whole two points on the Fezzik Power Rankings from a minus four and a half to a minus two and a half. And to me, this is all about Zach Wilson because for the first time, I think, and maybe there was one flash a couple of years ago, but for the first time, really, he looked like the type of quarterback that can lead this team to a winning season. Yeah, if you didn't watch the first and the fourth quarter, you'd think this guy's elite. Uh, honestly, what did he do wrong? What did he? What did Zach Wilson do wrong in that game yesterday? He fumbled the snap. He to fumbled the, the snap. You're right. In the first quarter, it wasn't his fault. He just didn't have any time. J Chiefs obviously started off red hot, which they usually do with Reed. 17-0, uh, but it really wasn't his fault that they were in that hole. Yeah, he fumbles the snap. There's seven and a half minutes left in the game. At that point, you think the Jets might get the ball back. I mean, there's a pretty good chance they get the ball back, but they don't. The Chiefs hold it for the final seven and a half minutes of the game, and I know Zach Wilson put it on him afterwards, but I thought Zach Wilson looked incredible. Uh, he was He got the ball out on time. He was creative in eluding the pass rush, making like kind of jump throws to, to to get over the defenders. He did throw a couple of balls that were deflected by defenders at the line of scrimmage, but he finished with 245 passing yards and two touchdowns. And, and his rating, 105.2. Not his QBR, his rating. His yeah. QBR was 65.8. Still, that's good. And here I saw a crazy stat. For the first time in Patrick Mahomes' career, the opposing quarterback outplayed him. It's wild. It was the first time college or pro in 127 total starts. The opposing quarterback had more completions, more passing yards, more touchdowns, and fewer interceptions than Patrick Mahomes. And that man was Zach Wilson. And the Jets, how, if, let me ask you, if the Jets win this game, how much differently are we thinking about them? Does Fez upgrade them from a four and a half to, instead of a minus two, a minus four and a half to a minus two and a half? Do they go to a minus one and a half? I don't think so. Give Fez credit. He sees the final score, but he approaches his power ratings differently. The two-point upgrade is pretty substantial already. Yeah, It's saying the quarterback, he's not the worst in the league. He's better than guys like Bryce Young right now or Desmond Ritter. So that two-point move, I think, wouldn't change if, it, you know, if the last four minutes of the game just happened to break differently. You know, it's amazing. At the time, I thought that the Jets were going to win the game. When they had that possession, yeah. the, when Wilson— uh, I fooled. I, didn't, I wasn't fooling myself. Just the way that the game played out, I thought the Jets were going to score and win the game uh, because the defense was playing great. I mean, you look at the possessions for the Kansas City Chiefs in the second half. Three and out, four and out, and then the 14-yard drive that led to a field goal. The 14-play uh, drive, excuse me, that led to the field goal. When the Jets got the ball back, it, you thought, 10:51 left in the game. They're going to drive down. They're going to score either a touchdown or at worst a field goal. It's going to be tied. Yeah. And this game, it's anybody's football game. And they forced Patrick Mahomes into three turnover-worthy passes. We're lucky that they only got punished on two of them. Pre-game's EPA minus luck number actually has the Jets as a slight winner in this game, even though they could have been down by 10 if he doesn't slide. If he doesn't slide. Yeah, and you know, well, forget about that. I know people complain that that's a bad beat. I don't think that's a bad beat. That's no. what everybody does there. It's a smart football play. The game's yeah. over. Why does? Why it's would, a bad beat the other way if he scores. Yeah, why would he want... Like Duke Notre Dame. Yeah, yeah, Why would he want his defense to go back out onto the field? There's, there's no reason. He just <laughs> yeah. he saved 11 players yeah. from going back out onto the field. Uh, more than that, but the special your teams guys, too. Your expected points added might be limited, but your expected win percentage gain is 100%. Yeah, <laughs> it's just it's the smart play. Everyone does it. Don't complain that it was a bad beat if you had the Chiefs to cover this game. They were never covering this game. Well, in the first quarter they were. But the, the, <laughs> the way that they played the entire game, they were never covering. And the, the moment to me, I can, I can complain about the holding call, the defensive holding call, because the Jets, they stopped. They actually turned them over. They yeah. got an interception, another interception, and they were going to get the ball back down 23-20, but instead it was a late flag. I understand it was, it was, it was, a, it was the right call. But what... Supposedly. Yeah. What, what bothers Jets fans and NFL fans is that the ref, and you could say, oh, well, it takes time for them to reach down into their pocket and and pull the flag it out. It takes time to hear the guy in New York telling him what Exactly, what exactly. But he doesn't pull the flag out of his pocket and throw it until the ball is intercepted. 
Like that was after the supposed infraction occurred. And so sometimes you wonder, officials are human and they kind of play into the game as well. If that ball was completed, I don't think the ref throws the flag. Yeah. Because I think he's like, you know what? It had no impact on the play. And that w- that might have been him using discretion, swallowing his whistle, if you will. Uh, but once the ball is intercepted, he's like, yeah, there was a hold on this play. I got to throw the flag here. Right. It's very similar to in basketball. You get the drive into the lane. You get bumped. You lay it up. Your foul or not foul is going to be determined by whether that ball falls in off the rim. That's a great analogy from the basketball guy, of course, Mackenzie Rivers. I thought the more egregious part of this game was at the end of the first half when Robert Sala, down 20-12, to 12, elected to go for a 53-yard field goal instead of a fourth and one. Now, I understand Greg Zerline has the leg, and he had probably 10 to 15 yards on that field goal. Yeah. He just doinked it off the upright. But at that point in the game, why not go for it? Be aggressive with your offense. Send a message to your team yeah. and instill some confidence in you. But it just, it, to me, it felt like coaching scared. Yeah, you're giving Mahomes the ball back either way if he makes a field goal or not. And if he misses it, he has a pretty good chance to score. Lucky for them, they threw a pick. But ending the half on a score, and uh, I don't know if I, if I could say too much, but I got some conversation about the about the 49ers, the way they approach the end of the half. Uh-huh. Probably said too much already. They want to have the ball with 0-0-0 in the second half. That's important to them from a coaching philosophy. It's telling the team that they are controlling the game, not the other way around. And the Jets, they had an opportunity to double dip because they got the yep. football to start the second half, and they wound up scoring a touchdown on their opening drive of the third quarter. So imagine if they were able to punch in a touchdown yeah. at the end of the first or half. You can kick a field goal with zeros on the oh, clock. Yeah, a closer such, field goal. Yeah, exactly. exactly. A closer field goal. And they did get the ball back after the Mahomes interception, but at that point there was 18 seconds left, and you know uh, they went three and out. Wilson was sad. He didn't even have a chance to throw a Hail Mary. So the Jets lose 23-20, to 20, but an upgrade on the Jets from a minus 4.5 to a minus 2.5. Up next, uh, also being upgraded after a loss, the Washington Commanders, who go from a minus 3.5 to a minus 2.5. And, and I think Fez was impressed with Sam Howell's performance, and how could you not be? He almost stole a win from the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, he puts up 30 points again. I mean, 30 points against the Broncos doesn't look that great. It looked okay at the time. Mm-hmm. But 30 points in your last two games is not something uh, second year or really first year starter, first year he came in as a starter, is supposed to do. That offense looks good. What do, what do our numbers say about this game? Because it, it feels like you could argue that the Eagles should have won this game with margin. Yes. And you could also argue that the commander should have won this game. Because at the end, the Eagles score the touchdown, right? The A.J. Brown, which you thought was like the uh, the gut punch, you know, closed the door on them. He had a monster game. And then they give the football a minute 43. The commanders have the ball. And they have to convert on a fourth down. Yes. They have to, you know, it's like they, they the game could have ended multiple times. And even right before the touchdown was thrown on the final play of regulation, there was an incomplete pass to Curtis Samuel around, like, the th- three- or two-yard line. He gets walloped by the defender. Yeah. If the Eagles let him catch that football and then tackle him, game the over. game is over. Yeah. But instead, there was one second left on the clock allowing them to have one more snap, and that led to the touchdown to Dotson. Which is you got to go for two there. There were so many opportunities for the Eagles to win this game that the fact that they passed up that opportunity was a clear mistake, in my opinion. Our fourth quarter win share had the Eagles at 70%. Wow. It's pretty rare for an overtime team to be expected to win 70% of the time in the fourth quarter. It's funny. There's a lot of mixed numbers here. Our pregame EPA has the Eagles by nine. We account for the fact that Washington was way more successful on late downs. You mentioned it. They got that fourth down conversion. 11 points of luck or variance for the commanders in that particular situation. But drive per, per drive? They were right in it. In fact, the PFF noise-canceled score had commanders as a slight win, 32-30. Add it all together, Eagles win 30-26 by our three-metric projected average, pretty much where the market, where the, where the final score ended up being, despite all the luck and variance. I thought that Ron Rivera, I mean, they call him Riverboat Ron. He, they can't call him that anymore. But <laughs> y- you have to go for two there. He said that his offense was gas, and that's why he didn't go yeah, for two. Yeah, they looked gas when they lost in overtime. Yeah, they did. He go, they, th- they went three and out. 
right? The offense got the football first and went three and out. But you know what? If your offense was too gassed to go for the two-point conversion there, maybe defer the coin toss, right. you're not going to do that, though. But then again, all you got to do is get one stop, and then the field goal is yours. But at that point, you want the opportunity to go down the field and score a touchdown. They didn't have any timeouts left, so there was kind of like yeah. – but here's what I would have done, that though. Seahawks-Patriots end of the game, Super Bowl kind of but, madness. Yeah, but you know what I kind of would have done, though, if my offense was gassed? I would have taken the delay of game penalty. I was just about to say that. Because just give your team a minute to rest. And the delay of game pushes you back five yards. But some would argue that it actually makes that conversion easier because it gives you more field to work with as opposed to having the defenders all bunched together in the end zone. At the very least, it's not as... It doesn't change the math as much as a fourth and two and fourth and seven midfield. Yeah. It's It's still pretty much the same play. You need one passing route that's going to work against his own defense most likely. I agree with you. I think you look at the start of overtime, Eagles are minus 200 to win, even though the commanders are getting the ball. So that's saying there's a 33% chance for them to win. You have a better chance of converting a fourth and goal or a uh, goal line play from the seven yeah. than, than 33%. It's yes. a 50-50 scenario almost. And I know it takes away the run option because whenever you're, you're at the ball to two-yard line, the run is always yeah. a possibility. But – I think that to put the ball in Sam Howell's hands, he has he played lights out football that game. Yeah. Right. What was his his final stat line? He finished twenty nine of forty one, two hundred and ninety yards and a touchdown. He also rushed for forty yards. So wow. you could have given him a run pass option that maybe he scrambles into the end zone. I just felt that the better play there, if you felt your offense was gassed, take the penalty, take the delay a game, run the one play from the seven yard line and try to win. Because what happens is you get the football first in overtime, they go three and out, and then the Eagles go right down the field and kick a field goal. There was never a doubt on that drive that the Eagles were going to go down the field and win the game. No, they're averaging six and a half yards per play. The game was over as soon as the coin toss happened, arguably. They They had the fourth and one, but you know what? The brotherly shoves. Yeah. It was just automatic. And then they go all the way to the 36-yard line. But at that point, once they got down, I think it was the one play from DeAndre Swift when he uh, he had the runners, he had the 11-yard run or something like that. And that's where, yeah, he had the 11-yard run from the 49 to the 38, and that was it. They were in field goal range, and the game was going to be over. Speaking of DeAndre Swift, him and A.J. Brown are inc- – they're just – they're such weapons – and everyone talks about the the trade for AJ Brown last year was like a big move for Howie Roseman, yeah. right? You got you got Jalen Hurts a weapon, one of the best weapons, one of the guys with the biggest catch radiuses in the NFL, and the difference that he brought to that team. They rode it all the way to the Super Bowl, right? Bringing in DeAndre Swift this offseason was not talked about as much as the A.J. Brown trade, but probably should have been. Yeah. Because this guy is a legit number one top-tier running back in the NFL, and the Eagles were so good last year with Miles Sanders. DeAndre Swift is better than Miles Sanders. He makes them better. I don't know what they were thinking in week one when they went with Kenneth Gainwell to start the year, but to me, I just feel like the move, and maybe it's being talked about now because he's been so great for the past three weeks, but bringing in DeAndre Swift on draft day, should have been talked about in the same breath as what Roseman did the year before, bringing in A.J. Brown. Do we know if he won executive of the year before last year? Because I would argue that he should have won it. He should win it back-to-back years. You look at the win totals in the offseason. Mm-hmm. Last year, it moved a game and a half. They went from about eight wins expected. Howie Roseman was the 2022 executive of the year. He deserves to repeat. And it went to nine and a half. This year, before the draft, it was 10.9. You had to bet under 11 minus 130 to get the under on the Eagles. Closed 11 and a half. Yes, he got swift, and that was kind of ignored. He also had the best draft. Jalen yeah. Carter looks like the best player, defensive player, maybe him and Willie Anderson. I think, yeah, I think it's an under-talked-about story. Deuce Staley, the Lions running back coach, talked about DeAndre Swift in, like, like hushed tones. He thought he was so talented, such an immense player. They just gave him away for pretty much nothing. Mm-hmm. Eagles are tapping into that potential. Although I think the Lions are doing okay. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> no. And maybe culture-wise, yeah. they didn't need DeAndre Swift. The Eagles have a culture where it's like, if you're talented – you're for maybe it's Patriots like they act right. They, mm-hmm. they, they get with the program. The Cincinnati Bengals have been downgraded from minus a half a point to minus two points. It might be not enough. To, I mean, T Higgins broke a rib. He's worth what half a point. And that's not even getting into the 24 point drubbing that they suffered. So it's, it's bad news. They're now 30 to one to win the Super Bowl. They were one of the favorites coming in. There's something more wrong with this team than the health of Joe Burrow. It's a quarter. Your quarterback's calf injury 
should not result in the entire team playing as poorly as they're playing. Something else is going on in Cincinnati. Uh, I'm not saying that there's dissension in the locker room or whatever. I'm just saying something more is going on. You're saying fire Zach Taylor today. (laughs) I don't know. Something more is going on there, though. We have to find that out. Also being downgraded from minus a half a point to minus two points is the New England Patriots. And uh, to me, it's about the quarterback. It's Mac Jones. We know the Patriots' defense is good enough to keep them in games, and Belichick is certainly a smart enough coach to to scheme against teams. But if Mac Jones doesn't make plays on offense, at at, at what point – does Bill Belichick just say we have to try Bailey Zappi? He's lost 12 straight games as an underdog. It's funny. They're always in these games, like the Eagles game, and we give them credit. They're right there. At some points, your quarterback's going to have to make a play and be the difference. He's never done it as an underdog the last 12 games. The Tampa Bay Bucks have been upgraded from a minus three to a minus one and a half. And I think, yeah, Baker's played well. I think the team has surprised. I thought they would lose for sure going uh, into New Orleans against the Saints, and that was an impressive win to me. All the money came in on New Orleans Sunday morning. Derek Carr was announced in. It went from a three-point line to a four-and-a-half, five in some spots. Sharp money got this one wrong. Moving up, speaking of New Orleans, the Saints have been downgraded two points. They're still number 15, so Fez still has them higher than Tampa Bay, but he had them at one, and now they're negative one. Slight underdogs to win the division. They're slightly behind the Bucks, even though they have a game in hand. So the market says the Saints are better. How much is a question mark? We move on to the Jacksonville Jaguars have been upgraded a full point from a neutral to a plus one. They've been really, really bad on third downs and fourth downs. They weren't much better against Atlanta, mm-hmm. but generally we think teams on their first and second down, that's more predictive. And they've been one of the, you know, they've been a top 10 team like we thought coming in on offense, except their new play caller, Press Taylor. Needs to he needs to find a, that comfort play on third down to get it right. I just don't know what happened to Calvin Ridley. Like he was so amazing in Week One, and then he doesn't do anything for the next three weeks. I know he caught a touchdown, yeah. but it was like one catch, one thirty-yard scramble play. He's not getting open, and that and that's a big concern. The Cleveland Browns have been downgraded from a three to a two. Now I know that Watson didn't play, but how do you downgrade a team even when they lose because their quarterback didn't play? They lose by 25 points. And, like, even if you just don't look at the offense, if you look at the defense, they had been immaculate through three games. They hadn't given up but one red zone possession, which was a result of a turnover. The Ravens were good. They weren't great, but they were good against them. I think we got to downgrade their defense. Jared Goff and the Lions upgraded from a two to a three. And right now you look at the Lions, and is it crazy to say that this team should be undefeated right now? No, not at all. The Seahawks, who, by the way, aren't bad themselves at 3-1, and one, got three turnovers and lost and won in overtime in Detroit. That win is actually looking really impressive for the Lions and actually kind of showing that Seahawks are, are underappreciated as well. How differently would we feel about Detroit if they were 4-0 and instead of 3-1? and one? I think the conversation would have to be, and maybe it should be right now, is this the best Lion team since Barry Sanders? Baltimore has been upgraded from a two to three. Could they just? Could this just be? Uh, you know, Lamar starting to run the football more, and and the fact that they won despite all the injuries that they were dealing with. I'll have to ask Fez about this one. I'm not sure because given all the injuries, it seemed like they did what they had to do and no more than that. It's not like Jackson set the world on fire, 15 for 19. I'm still curious how this offense is going to look down the road. Jackson is running just about as much as he always has. It's mm-hmm. a little bit more scrambled, a little bit less design runs. But uh, it's exciting. I think this offense could be a lot better than he has been in the years past. Off of a win, the Philadelphia Eagles have been downgraded in Fez's power rankings from a five to a four. Well, at first it was like their defense is good, but I'm not sure about their passing game. Passing game came to life in week four, but their defense gave up 31 points. So not my power ratings. I wouldn't downgrade them off a win, but that was the one side of the ball we thought we knew, and now we don't. The Dallas Cowboys have been upgraded from a four to a five. And good bounce back. Good bounce back in a game that I don't think anybody felt they were going to lose. Four games, three blowout wins. Pretty impressive. Mm -hmm. Yep. Now we're in the top four, McKenzie. And uh, Miami is uh, number four. They've been downgraded slightly from a five and a half to a five. And at number three, the Buffalo Bills on Fezzik's power rankings have been upgraded a full point from a five to a six. And my question is, is that enough? Should they be upgraded more? Yeah, and Fez has in his notes this game wasn't as much of a blowout as we were talking about on SOV a little bit yep. as the numbers say. But still, 
one of the best teams in the league comes to your place and it wasn't close down the stretch. Yeah, well, the final score has to matter. Yeah. I know that, right. and, and I, I was the one saying that this was a one-score game. It shouldn't have been a blowout. I know Maybe our numbers. the first half was. <laughs> I know our numbers show. Well, I thought Kevin Cole's numbers, he had a, 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 at Nine least it was single games. digits, yeah, yeah. okay? But I agree, and I think you agree, it wasn't a 28-point win. Yes, I yes. agree with that. Uh, but still, the final score has to matter. Kansas City goes from a 6.5 to a 6, but he still has them at number 2. Honestly, I, I think Buffalo should have been above Kansas City at number 2 instead of number 3. If we're looking at four games, there's no question about it. The Bills have been a much better team. How much do preseason expectations come into play? We just know that the Chiefs eventually get it right. I don't know. How much does this change, in your opinion, if, if Mahomes dives in for the touchdown on the cover? No. Slightly, right? now, it, no. sh it shouldn't, obviously. It shouldn't. How much does it change if Zach Wilson doesn't fumble the snap and the yeah. Jets win that game? Yeah, that is not a half-point downgrade. That's or a point if, down. Yeah, or if the Jets score and take the lead there, and then Mahomes has to engineer a last, you know, yeah. minute drive to win the game. What, the game who, it could have played out differently. Um, I thought It's a round ball, man. Yeah. It bounces. I, yeah, I just don't think. Well, that's the thing. I say, I say this about the NFL every year. Every team is... You know, well, I used to say every team is what nine and seven. Like now, yeah. every team is every team is nine and eight, right? Yeah. Or eight and nine. It's just a couple of bounces of the football changes whether you're a playoff team or not. You could be ten, ten wins, eleven wins, you're in the playoffs. Six wins, seven wins, you're not. Everyone's around the same in the NFL. And the number one team with no adjustment from last week, the San Francisco 49ers. No one's going to disagree. The 49ers are number one. No, and some people, some people nitpickers were like, well, their success rate isn't that good. Can they really rely on big plays? They had the number one success rate of any team the last two seasons against the Cardinals. 72% of the time, when it mattered, throwing out garbage time, they were able to stay ahead of the chains. You know, I gave out the stat on straight out of Vegas. Since they acquired Christian McCaffrey, and, you know, everyone wants to talk, oh, good move, good trade. No, no, no. It might have been the single most important move that any NFL team has made in the past several seasons. Yeah. Because since they acquired Christian McCaffrey, they're 13 and 1. Now you would make the argument they're 14 and 0 yes. because of the fact that he didn't start the one game. He came in on the Thursday, right? Yeah, he came in he came in on the Thursday. He played against the Chiefs but wasn't one of the starters. Yes. I mean, it was a blowout. The, so these these are since Christian McCaffrey became the starter for the 49ers, 13 and 1 in the regular season. He's rushed for 1200 yards, over 1200 yards and 15 touchdowns, maybe more, 16. Yeah. He's on pace for 26 yards from scrimmage this season, would be a record beating Chris Johnson. He'd also throw in 28 touchdowns if he keeps his pace. He's only 20 to 1 to MVP, which is a huge upgrade. He was 40 to 1 before week four. I still think it's I still think it's a disrespectful number. But he's number one to win offensive player of the year. Yeah, I guess he, he as long as he gets that award, he'll, he'll and, get some justice. And that's the thing. What we've seen over the past couple of years is that the MVP's a quarterback award, offensive been, yep. player of the year goes to the best non-quarterback. Top eight favorites, Brock Purdy, Herbert, Jackson, Hurts, Mahomes, Tua, and Josh Allen, all quarterbacks. Yeah, because if we see, like, there was a time where it was kind of in sync, right? If you were the offensive player of the year, like, you could be the MVP or whatnot. But over the past several years, just the MVPs, we'll start with the MVPs. Okay. The last non-quarterback to win an MVP, can you guess? Adrian Peterson? Adrian Peterson. Yeah. In 2012, okay? <laughs> Graduated from college. The last guy before that. Well, don't tell me. Don't tell me. Sean Alexander? No. no. Sean Alexander was 05. Ladanian Tomlinson oh, okay. in 2006. Yeah. Okay. But the last quarterback to win offensive player of the year. Lamar Jackson. Patrick Mahomes in uh, 2018. He, he doubled up that year. So Mahomes double dipped in 2018. Before that. It was Matt Ryan in 2016 and Cam Newton in 2015 double dipping. But I get, other than I get that, it with Mahomes and with Newton, because mm -hmm. they seem more like and do everything quarterback. Yeah. With Matt Ryan, it's like he got the MVP. Almost how much? How much more hardware do you need? Yeah. Well, looking at the voting, I don't uh, get the Ramy reason of it. I really the, don't. The voting that year for offensive player of the year, it was Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers, too. David Johnson was third. Huh. He, he rushed for 1,239 yards and 16 touchdowns. I mean, Christian McCaffrey does that in his sleep. You know, so, but looking at the offensive player of the year, Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup, Derrick Henry, Michael Thomas, before Mahomes, it was Pat, uh, Todd Gurley, before the two quarterbacks there, DeMarco Murray, Adrian. So it goes to the non quarterbacks. The MVP goes to the quarterbacks. So right now, I, I think I'd have oof, Josh Allen as the MVP. He's the favorite, plus three. Yeah. And then Christian McCaffrey is the offensive player of the year. 
And speaking of award, defensive player of the year, Khalil Mack with those six sacks has shot up the really? boards you, now. You know what his odds are? It went, it, 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 they shrunk in half. Six sacks is a good uh, six games. So, yeah, one game will do that to you. Yeah, so it went from, I mean, he was like kind of, not a long shot, but a much longer shot than he was this week. And if you look at the odds going into this week for defensive player of the year, uh, Khalil Mack is now 45 to 1. So he's the seventh favorite. Parsons and Garrett still the two favorites? Yeah, Parsons, Garrett, TJ Watt, Nick Bosa, Aiden Hutchinson, Chris Jones is even up there. But Khalil Mack was like 60 to 1, 70 to 1, 80 to 1. Now he's 45 to 1. Puts, hey, another game of six sacks. Yeah, right? <laughs> and everything changes. All right, let's get to the week five line progressions. And we'll start with Thursday night football. We're going to go in rotation order like we always do on this podcast. And we'll start with Thursday night football. Oh, this is going to be a great game to watch. The <laughs> Chicago Bears at the Washington Commanders. What are we sitting at right now on this Monday evening, McKenzie? It's moved all the way up to Commanders minus seven in some spots, minus seven even money. What well, a move. If we go back to the opener, what, what, what was it, six? Yeah, it was six. Last week, look-ahead line was four and a half. So just like the uh, Fezzik's power ratings, big upgrade for the Commanders despite the loss. Bears are still the worst team in the league, as confirmed by physics power rating, seven points worse than an average team. What's interesting is if you go back to the summer line, the commanders were only a point and a half yeah. favorites because they were expected to be one of the bottom three, four teams in the league. Yeah. Washington was over under six and a half. Bears were over under seven and a half. They were that, considered, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, exactly. Maybe want to throw that number out as yeah. one of the worst numbers posted in win total history. But the commanders, if you just look at that side of the equation, they're a lot better than the market thought in the summer. Yeah. And we mentioned how good Sam Howell played last week and, Justin Fields, I'm not going to say arguably he did have his best passing game last week. Yeah. But how much of it was Justin Fields and how much of it was the Broncos' pathetic defense? Commanders put up 30 points and a half. Eagles put up, I mean, Dolphins put up 70 points in a game. And mm -hmm. then you come in and, yeah, you put up 21 points, four touchdowns or three touchdowns in the first half. But I think it had to do with the Broncos more than the Bears. Just, I mean, there's one thing about letting go of the rope, and then there's throwing the rope away. Mm -hmm. I feel like they completely quit. Maybe Vance Joseph said something at halftime because they were a little bit better. But that's that unit, that performance had more to do with the Broncos, in my opinion, than Justin Fields. Okay, so both teams played the Broncos. One was in Denver. One was at home. So the Bears at home had, they ran 70 plays, got 26 first downs on the 70 plays. The commanders in Denver ran 66 plays and also had 26 first downs. They total, first downs. total yards, the Bears had 471. Uh, the commanders only 388. And then we look at both the quarterbacks, and we mentioned Justin Fields had a career day, 335 yards, four touchdowns, and an interception. Uh, Sam Howell, 299 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. Um, I would agree with this line. I think last week uh, there might be people saying, oh, my goodness, but the Bears looked so good last week. They still blew a 21-7 yeah. halftime lead. And Fez upgraded him in his power ratings from 7.5 to 7, but it's just a long way to go from how bad they've been. Yeah. They're winning a game. Yes. To me, there's still a ton of issues with this team. Uh, the line movement makes sense here. Uh, let's go to London where the Jaguars will play against the Buffalo Bills. This is game 4 5 one, four, five, two on your rotation, and what's the spread at right now compared to where it opened up, McKenzie? Nothing but Buffalo money continues. This was a summer line of three and a half. Look ahead last week was four and a half. Reopened five and a half, and now there's some sixes in some spots. Even though they're in London town, where the Jaguars live and, and reside, Buffalo's just that much better. Do we think th th that the Jaguars should get some sort of boost from the fact they stayed in London for the week, they're staying there? I think so. I There's mean, no we, travel. we always talk about staying on the West Coast, staying yeah. on the East Coast, and, you know, having a mini camp away from your families, you know, locking in on, on the job at hand. It can't be anything but a benefit. And the fact that the other team has the exact opposite scenario where nothing's accustomed to it, they're very outside of their routine. I think it's, I mean, I think I estimated it was a two point line adjustment for the Jaguars having the familiarity versus Atlanta. I think it's got to be at least two and a half, almost as much as a regular home field advantage. Do you think this line increases before we get to Sunday? The public likes quarterbacks. Because if, like it, if it does. Recent performances. Exactly. A lot of reasons the Bills might get, take some money. Because if it does, I kind of like the Jaguars. At five and a half, it's a dead number. Yeah. But if this thing can get to seven, which it probably does not. But my goodness, 
the Jaguar, it just would seem like it's the total inflation on the Bills from their performance against Miami. And the Jags have all the advantage from staying in London. And this is something I learned from Fez that I think is underappreciated in handicapping the NFL. Like, you have a buy price, seven. You might say, okay, well, likely he doesn't get there. So many people talk themselves in to Jaguars plus six on Friday. Mm -hmm. Just there's no reason to. There's only one way this market is going to go. Keep your apps open on Sunday morning. Stations, uh, you know, some maybe bet online. Some of these more public books will post a seven minus 120. That's when you pounce. You wait for your. We wait for that number to be posted. You probably get it. Texans are at the Falcons. Game four five three four fifty four, and uh, this spread has moved significantly from the summer line. Yeah, huge line move. So the Falcons were minus three in the summer. They were considered a better team, but neither of them were great. Last week, same thing. It was about three and a half. Now the Texans are considered significantly better. Maybe the Falcons coming back from London. You know, maybe that's a rest disadvantage, but still, home field advantage is two two and a half. The Texans are only a one-point underdog. Texans, a couple weeks ago, they were the worst team in Fezzik's power ratings. They've been massively upgraded. They are now better than a team expected to make the playoffs before the season, the Atlanta Falcons. Well, I had a stat last year about NFL teams that played in London and then returned home without a bye. I remember. I played it. I cashed. And we talked about the opponent's team totals because the defense is tired or whatever. But there were five times that a team has played in London. This was prior to last season. Five times a team has played in London and then did not have the bye the following week. So they had to play the following week. The opponent's team totals in those five games were five and one. And then we looked at the teams that played in London last year and then returned home and played again without a bye. It was the Vikings, Saints, Giants, Packers. They did not have the bye week after London. And those opponents' team totals went three and one. So of the nine teams that have played in London and then returned home to play again the following week, the opponents' team totals are seven and two to the over. Yeah, and last year the three and one was a plus five margin. The offense going that much higher than their team total, the opponents. So what does that say? That says Texans? Texans team total. Might score more than 20 points. That's their team total right now. Wow, that's the best bet. I'm R.J. Bell, and I'm going to give you some straight talk. Now, there's two types of people that try to be healthy. One is the fanatics. They're the types that show up in Vegas, and they got a water bottle, and they got, like, uh, celery chopped up. And let's forget about them because I'm nothing like them. And you know what? I know a lot of them love AG1, but I'm not speaking to them. You guys got it covered. You know AG1's good. I'm talking about the people who try, but they're not perfect with it. And to me, that's what makes AG1 perfect is you can have a big dinner and maybe eat a little too much. Maybe have that glass of wine or that beer. You're not feeling great. Next morning, you have the AG1 and all of a sudden you're back feeling good. And to me, if you can have that as your home base in a way, that, that center, that equator, that center that you can return to at any time with just a nice drink and feel healthy, well... I love it. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash rjbell. That's drinkag1.com slash rjbell. Check it out. DraftKings, the leader in fantasy sports, just dropped a brand new fantasy app, Pick 6. Now, what's different about this thing? I was never a big fantasy guy. You know why? Is I always worried, you know, who's on the other side? Who am I playing against? With pick six, you're not going against another player or players. You're going against the bookmaker. You're going against the number that they put up. So all you got to do is pick between two and six NFL players and choose if they're going to have more or less of the stat that interests you. Download DraftKings Pick 6 app now and sign up with code RJ. That's code RJ. Only at DraftKings Pick 6. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18 plus in most eligible states. But age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Valid only in states where DraftKings Pick 6 operates. Pick 6 not available in all states, including but not limited to Connecticut and New York. For up-to-date lists of states, please visit dkng.com slash pick6states. Void where prohibited. See terms at pick6.draftkings.com. 
Can we give out best bets on Monday? We absolutely can. All right. Let's do it. Texans team total over 20 points. That's the best bet. Three touchdowns from CJ Stroud. Are you kidding me? That's it. That's easy. Yeah. <laughs> well, nothing's easy. But yes. Nico I, Ryan, you get that alone. That's my best bet. Is Fal- is uh is looking at the Falcons game. We're gonna go Texans team total over because again, seven and two, the opponents team total to the over for NFL teams that play in London and then return the following week playing without a bye. Let's move on to game 455. It's Carolina at Detroit, McKenzie. Yeah, we talked about it. The Carolina Panthers have had one good offensive performance. It wasn't with their starting quarterback. They've been downgraded appropriately. In the summer, the Lions were five-point favorites. Last week, the look-ahead was seven, moved up to seven-and-a-half after Thursday night football. Now you can't get anything less than a nine, even some nine-and-a-halves Lions favorite at home versus the Panthers. Boy, this would seem like a game that the books want the teaser protection. Yeah. You know, get the Lions north of the nine so that you can't get them below the three. You think this might be, I mean, it was such a big rivalry win. They finally have stamped as a top 10 at least team in the league. You think they might be looking past the Panthers here, a team that obviously doesn't have a win on the season. It's ultimately, it's, of course it could be a letdown spot. Yeah. Of course it could. But I don't think, it's not, I don't think the spread is that high because what have we seen from the Panthers? Okay, against the Vikings, a 21-13 loss. But. What was the expected margin in that game? Because they, they had a, a defensive touchdown that was yeah. a 14-point a swing. Well, because it they was, also uh, were on the benefit, beneficiary of a, of a defensive touchdown in the first quarter. So it, those things balanced out. Uh, those mar- the margins were a little bit tighter than the final score. They no, had, but I'm, I'm saying yeah. the, the, I understand that the Vikings had a defensive touchdown. I'm just saying that the first quarter one went – it was a 14-point swing. Because they were on the one-yard line or, or whatever. It was a 99-yard interception right. return. So it could have been 7 nothing Minnesota. Instead, it's 7 nothing Carolina. That changes the entire game. That's a 14-point swing. So what, 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 what do we have the margin at? Uh, projected margin, Vikings by 6. Okay. So nothing different. Because I, yeah. I guess the Vikings defensive touchdown washes it out? Yeah, the luck factors kind of wash themselves out. Vikings mm-hmm. obviously not... Two beneficiary of turnovers, but they were pretty efficient in the red zone. Panthers weren't. Yeah, that's how we get the final score being about what it should have been. 457, Tennessee at Indy. And uh, to me, this seems like a coin flip game between two division rivals. Yeah, think about this. The Rams beat the Colts in overtime. Close game could have gone either way, even though the Colts had to come back. The Titans dominate the Bengals. 27-3, statement game of the season. What does the market do? They upgrade the Colts about a half point from one to one and a half. I think here is an example of the underlying metrics being a lot more beneficial to the Bengals than you might have expected. Kevin Cole, pregame EPA, it's going to shock some people, actually had the Bengals being the better team. How the hell does that happen when you lose 27 to three? Well, you're more efficient on a per play basic success rate wise, and the Titans just dominated on late downs. We don't expect that to happen every game. Maybe there's something psychological, something in the locker room where there's a reason they let down in those big spots so often, but the Bengals might be underrated here. The Titans might be overrated here if you're just looking at the scoreboard. Mm, That's interesting. And this line is saying that the Titans are better on a neutral because if you're giving Indy two and a half for home field, to me... But not by much, yeah. Yeah, but to me, like, I always like to do the whole flip flip the spread. I call it flip the script. I flipped the script. That's yeah. how that's that's the exercise. Yeah, RJ RJ calls it the two point rule. If you're uh, moving the points and if yes. you're moving two points in either direction, which one makes more sense? And this is the thing: if this game is in Tennessee, are the Titans four and a half point favorites, three and a half point favorites? Gotta be, it gotta be three. I'd say three. Would you take the Colts plus three? I think I would. I would. Ryan Tannehill. Let's see on our quarterbacks rankings and. You know, he didn't throw that touchdown. Derrick Henry did to break the game <laughs> open. He's not good this year. He's 22nd. He's 32nd in QBR. His PFF grade's better than that. But I, I have not been impressed with the Titans, even after the win. See, that's the thing. I feel like the spread should be one and a half, even if it was in Tennessee. But that's not what the market's telling us. Here. You think these are even teams? Yes. If not, yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I would go Indy in this spot. Uh, the, we're going to skip the Giants and the Dolphins. Let's go to 461 New Orleans at New England. Man, loser leaves town match? <laughs> Pretty bad news. So let's see what's happened here. The Patriots were three in the summer, two and a half in the look-ahead line, 
even despite the Saints losing, getting blown out at home, they've been upgraded. It's now Patriots only a one-point favorite hosting New Orleans. The quarterback has been awful. I can't yeah. trust Mac Jones in this spot. I just can't. Like I'm supposed to lay points here. The Saints last week was the first game in it seems like an eternity that they allowed over 21 points. Right? Their defense yeah. has been elite. And you know what? If Baker Mayfield doesn't throw that touchdown pass uh, on one of their last drives, then they still hold the uh, the Bucks to under 21 points. Now they don't win the game, but still, it's. It, it, this was a 17-9 game in, in the fourth quarter, right? Yeah, looking at all the metrics, this was not the blowout that the final scoreboard says. Our projected margin using Kevin Cole, PFF, everybody, eight-point game. Should have been Bucks 20, Saints 20, 12. And again, 20 points, which fits into the whole under-21 scheme. And I just don't look at the Patriots offensively and think that they're going to score over 21 points. I just don't. So maybe we look at an under? I mean, I... I I don't it's 39 and a half. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with you, but I'm not running to the track to, to put my money behind Derek Carr either. Well, Derek Carr also didn't practice all week True. and was dealing with a concussion. Yeah. I don't think he should have played, but they felt, hey, he's going to play, and he wasn't good. Uh, Kamara, first game back, yeah. eh, eh, maybe just not into the swing of things. But you gave out a, a staggering stat on Straight out of Vegas uh, this morning about Dennis Allen. Yeah. Why don't you tell me the gist of that? He's the worst ATS coach of all time. I mean, there's no other way to say it. You look at any coach that's more than 50 games into their career, and we don't talk about a lot of these guys because they're gone, like Adam Gase and Hugh Jackson, but he has a worse ATS record than every, anybody in that spot. I mean, Sean Payton loves him. Sean Payton also loves himself, and he's not doing too hot. <laughs> Pete Carmichael, got to love him. His offense isn't looking too hot. Maybe this particular group of guys, not necessarily, maybe they got passed by a little bit. Yeah, maybe. It's, I think it's time to clean house. Uh, let's go to 463, Baltimore at Pittsburgh. Uh, this is always a fun game yeah. every single year. And this was the biggest downgrade in Fezzik's power rankings, and the markets are right there with them. So Fezzik downgraded the Steelers by three points. That's pretty much what we've seen here. The Ravens were two-and-a-half-point favorites on the road last week. It's up to four-and-a-half. A lot of that was the fact that the Steelers got dominated as a road favorite. It also has something to do with their quarterback, but I'm not sure it should. Well, we talked about this when we went through yeah. the, the power rankings. I don't know if it should be that big of a downgrade from Kenny Pickett to Mitchell Trubisky. And, by the way, P Pickett hasn't been ruled out yet. He's right. got a bone bruise right. in his knee. He could still play. It's a huge but move from two and a half through three to four and a half. I'm not sure it's justified. We know Mike Tomlin does well as an underdog. Yes. Especially as a home underdog. It just seems like this is the ultimate overreaction spot to the Ravens, the way they looked, to the Steelers, the way they looked. Ravens, yes, they're the better team, but four and a half on the road in Pittsburgh in this divisional matchup, it just, to me, it seems like divisional home dog. I think Baltimore won and beat Cleveland so much because some fourth round pick that no one had ever heard of was starting his first game. I think the numbers look incredible. I think we do a major asterisk. We might even want to throw week three, four out of the day to set for the Ravens. I think their upgrade is a little bit over justified. Let me ask you. What's changed? <laughs> no, but think seriously, all four of us, and you included, so five of us on the Dream Pod, picked the Cleveland Browns over the Ravens as two and a half point home favorites. Yeah. None of us knew that Deshaun Watson wasn't going to play. But taking that mentality of looking at a healthy Browns team with Watson at quarterback, the way that their defense has played, and picking them to beat the Ravens at home, why do we feel? I know it's like I wouldn't lay two and a half with right. the Steelers at home, right? But I'm catching four and a half. To me, it just feels like if we felt that way about the Browns, shouldn't we feel that way about the Steelers to an extent? Yes. Because the Steelers beat the Cleveland Browns yes. with Deshaun Watson at quarterback. I mean, the caveat is maybe all five of us were wrong about how good the Ravens yeah. were. <laughs> That happens. That's but, true. That's yeah, true. Th this rivalry has been incredibly close to the vest. You know, 80% of the games decided by three or less. I can only look at one side here. I got to look at the dog. 465, Cincinnati at Arizona. And Joe Burrow not healthy. The Cardinals fighting. They're a scrappy team. As much as I say it's gutsy to bet the Cardinals, you can't get me to bet the Cardinals. No, not at this number. Look at this line move. In the summer, it was seven and a half. That's a bet on the Cardinals. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Look ahead, it was seven, meaning the first three weeks of Bengals underperformance, Cardinals trading away Colt McCoy, all of that info combined was about a half point. 
And then Sunday's games happened, and it went from seven in the look ahead to three right now, recording Monday evening. So those 12 hours of football was worth four points in the market's opinion. I think it's an overreaction. Maybe it should have gone from seven to four. Mm-hmm. At three, I can only look at the Bengals. Yeah. At some point, the Bengals, I keep saying this like about the Eagles, at some point they're going to show up. At some point, the Bengals are going to be right. Does it have to be when Joe Burrow, like I said, when we went through the power rankings, I think there's something more about what's going on with the Bengals that's beyond Joe Burrow's injury. Whatever it is, something's got to be fixed. But you have to admire the Cardinals fight. Oh, yeah. They don't give up. And Josh Dobbs is playing much better than anybody expected. Yeah, I looked this up, and I'm the kind of guy that would look this up. So you have an 80 QBR, and you commit no turnovers. Since 2018 in our database, I checked all the numbers. 240 teams fit this scenario. None of them lost by more than 10. The Cardinals played an immaculate offensive game. No turnovers. Dobbs had a second game of 80 QBR. They were fine on offense. The 49ers were just that much more dominant on their side of the ball. But I think I've never upgraded a team after losing by 19. I was very impressed by the Cardinals' performance on offense. They almost backdoored. Yeah, I know. <laughs> almost. <laughs> Thank you, Ertz, for dropping that one. I needed that yeah, one. Yeah, fourth and six at the 15-yard line. Almost got backdoored. Uh, but this team doesn't quit, and I think that's something that you're going to have to pay attention to if you're betting against the Cardinals week in and week out is that this team fights They play hard uh, until the final uh, whistle. The Jets are at the Broncos in a game that we circled in the preseason because of the Sean Payton-Nathaniel Hackett talk. But without Aaron Rodgers, it doesn't have the same juice, in my opinion, because Rodgers was the one who was like, keep my coach's name out your mouth. And I I, I jokingly said Rodgers is going to throw for five touchdowns in this game because he wants to stick it to Sean Payton. But that being said, we upgrade the Jets off of their performance. Do we upgrade the Bron- Do we upgrade the Broncos just because of a come-from-behind win over the Bears? It's a good question. I mean, it showed me that they haven't completely quit on Vance Joseph and the rest of their coaching staff, but it's still a pretty underwhelming, uh, underwhelming performance, allowing Zach Wilson, who hasn't done anything, to do that. So let's look at the Fezzik's power rankings. Yeah, actually downgraded the Bears. I mean, I'm sorry, the Broncos from minus two and a half worse than an average team to minus three. Definitely. I mean, that makes sense to me. They haven't been good on defense. They've been one of the worst teams in that department ever. The Jets, I think you got to upgrade. Let's see what the market's done. They've upgraded them. This was three on the look-ahead line. Even teams, maybe the Broncos were a little bit better. Not anymore. The Jets are down to a two-point underdog in Denver. Do you think that Denver gets the full three home field? No. But no. do they get two and a half? I mean, they do, do they have two? early is in the this... season, mile high. Generally, that's been a very good spot for the Broncos. But this year, they're 0-2 as a favorite at home. That never happens. Maybe it's just a different day in the mile high city. Listen, we, you know, Zach Wilson does have experience at elevation. He did play college at BYU. BYU yeah, true. So elevation, don't bother. But don't, don't bother Zach Wilson. Uh, Jets, I, I, I can't lay it with the Broncos here. I would like the Jets at a, at a field goal. Me too. <laughs> but I don't think this gets to three. I don't think the market – I think, if anything, people are going to be on the Jets after that performance more publicly accepted than the Broncos. I I just – I wish I could have gotten the three on the look-ahead, but I don't think it gets there. So we got to move on. We can't always get the best number. Do we like – But the Jets are a teaser. Exactly. Yeah. When it goes from three to two, shout-out to Steve Fezzik, the best pro better out there. That's immediately – at least that's public. Maybe there's some pro betters that are billionaires that I've never heard of. But the best pro public better out there – and this is what you do. If you can't get three, you don't mind whine and moan. You look for the next opportunity. You don't bet plus two ever. It's almost always the superior option to look at getting it over a touchdown, eight and a half, six and a half point tees. Mm-hmm. But what is the partner league? No, uh, well, there's that makes it a little bit more harder. Yeah, uh, we'll find one for sure. Philadelphia at the Rams. What's been the adjustment on the Rams? Because I feel like they have exceeded expectations. We don't know if Cooper Cup is going to be back or not. They're yeah. optimistic. They already have Cooper Cup. His name's it, Nakua. Puka Nakua, exactly. <laughs> uh, Stafford dealing with a hip bruise. How does that affect him for this week? I'm sure he's going to be uh, getting some treatment all week. And the Eagles, who looked good offensively, bad defensively yeah. against Washington. So this is interesting. The look-ahead line was pretty much what the summer line was. Eagles minus six. Eagles win, Rams win in overtime. The market did not see that as equal results. All the money has been on the Rams Monday. It's down to four in some spots. I'll call it 4.2 consensus number. About a one-and-a-half, two-point upgrade of the Rams, despite the Eagles winning. What do you make of that? It's interesting, and I think that 
this might be one of like the sharps, the sharp plays this week. Like the sharps will be on the Rams. Yeah, undefeated team versus the Rams. I feel like this is a this is a Joe's versus pros all about it. Yeah, Joe's will be on the Eagles and the pros will be on the Rams. Any like the Phillies minus four right now, and the market saying that it could go down even more. Can we really get the Eagles laying three? I mean, that's what happened to the Bengals. It just kept going from a touchdown to three. The, the Rams won, but I, I was not as impressed as the market Let me, let me ask you this. If we get a public announcement that Cooper Cup's playing, does this line go to three? I think it goes to three and a half. I think, I think three that's, and a half? that's the line, yeah. Okay. Because that could— this, this line has to be assuming that Cup's playing, because, I mean, in the summer it was six. Why would it be that much different? I got to think Coop's playing by this number. All right. Well, if we get the public announcement that he is playing, yeah. Uh, I mean, he's in that whole. What is it that the, they get the practice window now after yeah. the IR? So he's in that practice. And window. this is a concept we've talked about many times on this show. Even when pro betters are ninety-eight percent sure something's going to happen, you still see line movement after that thing becomes official because not so pro betters will get involved and put their money down. Mm-hmm. Kansas City at Minnesota. What are we looking at for this one? A little bit of love for the Vikings after their first win. This was six and a half in the look-ahead line. We're now looking at. Five and a half. Is it love for Minnesota, or is it a downgrade from the Chiefs because of how they looked against the Jets? It's a good point. It's a good point. I mean, the market definitely upgraded the Jets, so it's not like yeah. I guess guess both things can be true. I don't know. The Vikings actually, in my opinion, had their worst game of the season in that win because Mm -hmm. they're against the worst opponent that they were playing. And Kirk Cousins, who had been red hot top five quarterback, had his worst game. He's now to fourteenth in our QB rankings. And this is Kirk Cousins outside the window. This is Mm. not a one o'clock game. This is this is a late game. This is a 425 Eastern game for Kirk Cousins. That's a bad sign. He's a very meticulous guy. He has <laughs> every 15 minutes on a Google Sheets what he's going to do. We saw it on the Netflix documentary. All right, this guy's going to come over here. This girl's going to come over here, rub my body, all that stuff. Three hours to sit and, and stare at the Chiefs roster might affect him. I think, to me, it's Chiefs or pass. I'd like it. Five and a half is a dead number. I don't know if it goes down any further. If anything, I think it might creep up to six. Yeah. You know, people are going to be in on the Chiefs. Maybe the overs to play. I think both of these offenses could be could be in for good days. It's 52 and a half. I like that. I like the over in this one. High-scoring affair. Is that too public? I mean, it's, it's a dome. Yeah. Mahomes has been very good in a dome. Mm-hmm. Brian Flores looked pretty good. He, hadn't, he didn't look good, so good the first three weeks, but week four against, I mean, the Panthers. Maybe mm-hmm. it's not that hard to look good as a defensive coordinator. I don't mind it. I don't mind it. I, I, I see some fireworks in this one. I don't think Kirk Cousins is going to be as bad as he was in week four. Well, I don't think Patrick Mahomes exactly. is going to be as bad as Talk he about was. about a bounce-back performance. Yeah, you have two quarterbacks that are coming off bad performances. Yeah. So I think the over might be a, a play here. Sunday Night Football is uh, we had a potential game of the year last week yeah. with the Bills and the Dolphins. We have another one here this week. Cowboys at the 49ers. So this was three and a half in the look ahead. Well, let's, let's go even farther back. This was the summer line of 49ers minus two. That means there were even teams. Maybe the 49ers beat them twice in the last two years in the playoffs. Maybe that was a disrespectful number. In my opinion, it was. But that's what the market said. Last week, it was three and a half. Then it dipped down again a lot. A little Cowboys money in the look ahead window. Moved it to three. Bounced right back up to three and a half after Sunday's games. Both teams impressed. The 49ers just a little bit more. This one's tough because the 49ers have been so great at home, but the Cowboys with a bounce back and defensively, like they might be the defense that's able to slow down the 49ers. Yeah. At, they did in the playoffs. It was yeah. 1912. Uh, yeah. At some point, you got to think that this is going to be, uh, you know, the 49ers are not, 49ers are not going to roll over everybody by 15 to 20 points. No, and not every turnover-worthy play is going to bounce off three guys and land in a 49ers hand. Yeah. It's been some good luck for the 49ers, no doubt about it. The, I'll say this. It seems hard to imagine that this game doesn't mean more to the Cowboys. Last two years in the playoffs, including last year, the 49ers got him. That's the first question they asked Dak Prescott in the press conference. He said, thank you. I needed that extra motivation. I needed that. They're red hot, like mentally. They're dead focused on this game. If the 49ers can win it, boy, that's exciting because they're eight games away from setting the all-time regular season record of wins. This is the biggest one. This is the toughest challenge until we face the Eagles later in the year. In that playoff game last year, Christian McCaffrey, had 10 carries for 35 yards. They actually stopped the run, and that's not something that they're known for. They're more of a pass rush team, but that's 
No one else has been able to do that. That's shocking. Yeah. And so I I, I feel like this it just think it just it just seems like north of a field goal is too much. But I I don't ever want to bet against the 49ers. I know that you're yeah. supposed to bet numbers and not teams. Exactly. And then, like, you're, so you're saying, if I'm getting plus four in a game that is between two of the best teams in the NFC, that probably this could be the NFC championship game, don't you think that it just it makes sense to take the four points? You're buying high on the 49ers. That's, I mean, you're selling high on the 49ers. Yes. They're not going to be as efficient. No one is that efficient. 70% success rate versus any team. So, yeah, I think, all, I think, I think that makes sense. And the fact that the Cowboys – Arguably need the game more. It's funny. You talk, you talk about betting numbers, not teams. RJ actually gave me an edict not to bet the 49ers about last year this time. Well, it had been a calendar year. My first opportunity after the year of a hiatus, bet the 49ers minus 14 and won. <laughs> Pretty lucky to win. I might I should, I should probably take my money and hide it under my mattress because I just love this team too much. Fezzik has these teams three points different on a neutral, which would mean the 49ers should be four and a half. Yep. Four to four and a half. Four and a half point numbers, favorites yeah. in this game. And they're four. I just, I guess wait and see if the market pushes Dallas to push it to three. But I can't see it happening. Um, again, my mind is saying the Cowboys are the play here. But then there's another part of me that's saying you're an idiot for betting against the 49ers. Over under 45 here. I kind of like the under. Yeah, I feel under. like, I mean, last year was a playoff game. This is going to be playoff intensity on Sunday. Absolutely. And then uh, Monday Night Football, the Packers here in Vegas to take on the Raiders. What are we looking at? Well, money has come in on the Packers. This was a pick game in the look-ahead window. Packers are now a minus two-point favorite. Got to think that the market was not impressed with Aiden Russell. Is that his name, Aiden Russell? Aiden O'Connell. Aiden O'Connell. Uh, yeah, he's a no-name quarterback that came in and looked like it with three fumbles. Packers favorite on the road here, despite their awful performance on primetime last week as well. You know, Jordan Love has been decent uh, in the first half of last week against the against the Lions. It was pathetic, like yes. literally, like it, it was. It, 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 you couldn't have been worse. It was so bad. But then in the second half. They put together a couple of scoring drives, and he actually finishes with a decent night. Like, the two interceptions are going to be whatever, but he throws for 246 yards and a touchdown. And I know Christian Watson, that was his first game back, and he clearly looked like he was, you know, hindered by the the hamstring and whatnot. He still wound up getting open in the red zone. He had that short touchdown catch. Oh, now an extended time off. Yeah. It's not just going from a Sunday to a Monday. You're going from a Thursday to a Monday. I got to believe that now extra time for Aaron Jones, who wasn't, did nothing. He had five carries for 18 yards on Thursday, extra time now for Aaron Jones to rest up extra time for Christian Watson to rest up. I I think the Packers are going to look a lot better on Monday night than what we saw on Thursday night against the Lions. And what we saw on Thursday night against the Lions was not that bad of a performance. What's our, what was our expected uh, margin there on that Thursday night game? I mean, they lost by 14, but it really wasn't that much. 12 was our three metrics. 12, okay, average. so I guess it was that much. And here's the thing about that game. You mentioned the traditional stats for Jordan Love. They were pretty impressive, 250 yards passing. Mm-hmm. His QBR was a 7. It was terrible. And why is that? Because QBR, like many of our metrics, including pregames, say, okay, if the game is not competitive, if you're down by 20 in the fourth quarter, we're just going to throw all those stats out. However, I think in this case, when you have a very young quarterback in a first time having his number one wide receiver, maybe those numbers mean something. Maybe there's a reason why they were able to perform a lot better in the second half other than it was just garbage time. If that's the case, then this number makes sense here. Jordan Love and the, and the Packers have been that much better than the Raiders. They had five possessions in the second half. Touchdown, punt, touchdown, the interception in the red zone. Yes, okay, so he yeah. still got his team down to the red zone and then field goal. So we're talking about Five possessions, four of them, well, the the field goal was at the 32 and whatever. But we're talking about potential for four scoring drives out of the five possessions they had in the second half. They went three and out one time. That's it. Otherwise, they moved the ball right down the field. Now, I could say Detroit was winning comfortably and the defense relaxes a little bit. Look look at another team that's, I think, in a similar power rating space. In fact, uh, 
yeah, the Falcons are right there with, with these other teams. The Falcons scored six points against the Lions, including the second half when they had every chance in the garbage time to put some numbers on the board. Mm-hmm. They couldn't. The Lions' defense has been the story of their season. I think the Packers' performance, maybe not as terrible as, as the market, or I'm just going to say the public would think. The market obviously has had to come to the same conclusion we have. They've upgraded them two points in this matchup. Who's better, Green Bay or the Steelers? Green Bay. Green Bay. They have a quarterback that's not the worst quarterback in the league. Clearly. Yeah. And at home, the Raiders lost to the Steelers 23-18. Yeah. And the crowd was, I don't know, 70% Steelers fans. Yeah. What do you think it's going to be with the Green Bay Packers here? As much? As much. Not more. Right? I mean, Packers fans travel. Las Vegas is a pretty good trip to check off your list. Yeah. I think that it's Packers or pass for me, especially at under a field goal. I'm with you. I mean, I know, I know, I know. That one, if not every sharp, is going to be on the Raiders with the T's up to eight and a half. Mm. I don't think they have a real home field advantage here. Nope. I don't think that's as safe. I think it's a higher variance game than people think. I would say stay away from that. And yeah, I lean towards the Packers as well. If Jimmy Garoppolo plays, maybe it changes things. Yeah. But and and he probably should. He probably will play. Um, but I still think the Packers are a better team. I still think they're a better team. And you mentioned it. Uh, Thursday night, you lose, and you get ten days to sit on it and rest. Eight and two ATS the last ten games. If you're playing on a Monday. Wow. So it's a good it's a good spot for the for, to get right for the Packers. Good stuff there. He's Mackenzie Rivers. I'm Scott Seidenberg. This has been the week five early line market report with a combo of the week four recap as we sat in for both Steve Fezzik and RJ Bell. Both Fezzik and RJ will be back on Wednesday when we record the dream preview. So we will have a full Wise Guy Roundtable on Wednesday as we go through the contest picks for week uh, five. Coming off a good week, pretty good week uh, for myself. I went 4-1 yeah. and one on the podcast. I went 4-1 and one in the contest. Let's keep it rolling. Look at you. Look at you. A reminder, you guys can head to pregame.com and make sure you sign up for free because new members get a free $25 just for signing up at pregame.com. And we have incredible offers for you available at pregame.com. If you uh, go to the website, you click on the buy picks, you'll see a bunch of discounted packages up there. The bulk dollars are still available for you. You can get a weekend or all access, which gets you every play for the entire weekend from your favorite pregame pro. So that's college football. That's NFL. Oh, by the way, the major league baseball postseason begins here tomorrow. And we are only eight days away from the start of, of the NHL regular season. Get out of here. Your boy, Scott Seidenberg, will have season-long NHL subscriptions available. Last year, very good regular season, very bad postseason, but the regular season... Well, the regular season is coming up, right? We're not worried about the postseason. Exactly, and and besides the fact, 283 picks during the regular season last year, over 55% winners. Were they all minus 400 bets, or...? No. No, 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 it was I'm up tw- up twenty two units, but that go. that's the regular season. Yeah, I'm talking about two hundred eighty three selections. Like that's a lot of picks. And Fez has talked about this before. Bookmakers are worried about college football. They're worried about the NFL. They they have their C or D teams doing something with the NHL. Soft lines, definitely a beatable market. I'll be paying attention to what you got there. Yeah, now is the time to take advantage. Again, season-long subs are available for the NHL, for McKenzie's NBA, and you can jump on a weekend or all-access, get a little taste from your favorite pregame pro, all available for you at pregame.com. And a reminder, new members that sign up for free get a free $25 just for signing up. For McKenzie Rivers, I'm Scott Seidenberg. We will talk to you on Wednesday on the Dream Preview.